topic of pain and suffering is is a hard one. It's a hard one for us to deal with and to think about. In fact, for me, it's harder now than it was when I started in ministry 25 years ago. What I've learned is for some people, the question of why does a loving God allow pain and suffering in the world is a question that actually turns them off from God and faith totally. Many atheists struggle with this issue of is God real because how could a loving God allow there to be suffering in the world? But for me, that has not been a problem. I don't have a theology issue. I, I know God loves and God cares. I understand that we are in a fallen world, and I believe that God allows us to make free will choices, and we are allowed to sin, and therefore there are consequences both personally and globally for that sin. So I don't have an issue in my head with God or the problem of pain in the world and questioning God. I think my struggle I have to admit, sometimes it's not an issue with my head, but with my heart. In some ways, it's worse now than what it was when I started this journey with God uh, in terms of ministry 25 years ago. Because when you're a kid growing up, you kind of see life in a very positive, optimistic kind of way. At least that's the way I saw life. And even when there were challenges around us, there were family members that cushioned that and and they were reminding you of all the good things of life. And so you kind of move past challenges as a child and you see life very optimistically. And then you get a little older and in ministry for me, I was able to kind of compartmentalize because you could move from a hospital bed where someone is dying or there has been some tragedy or a family that has just lost a loved one. And literally in the next few moments go down the hall to another hospital room with another family that is experiencing birth and joy and celebration. And so uh, though you would kind of move from one to the next and transition and be able to, even in conversation with people in a church, people would walk out and one person would hug you and they would cry and tell you things that are going on in their life that are very challenging. And the next person would share with you the greatest joys in the world. And so I had that ability to kind of walk with people through that. But the older that I get, it's not that I don't celebrate the joys. It's just that those hardships that people face, I, I feel those more personally than what I used to. I feel the pain of people more personally than what I used to. And I think it's difficult when you think about pain and suffering where, while maybe you have a right concept of God in your head, but in your heart, it's difficult to understand and to feel and to process why things happen the way that they do especially when it's someone that you love and you see the pain or the suffering that they experience and you just pray for just a little while, God, would you just make it better for them? Um, and if I were to give you an update on where Sherry is today in our family, uh, Sherry is um, continuing to get weaker. I'm sure that she is watching now. She is always watching. And I'm sure that she's watching today uh, at some point in the service. But um, but as she is continuing to get weaker, her legs are not able to move much at all. She's able to walk still as long as she's able to get out of the chair. But the challenge has been getting out of the chair and having people help her. That's the reason she hasn't been here the last couple of weeks, because it's a little bit scary for her to be in a place where she's not able to move up and down as she needs to. And which is why it's all the more inspirational that when she was here just two weeks ago playing probably the biggest worship service we've ever had in this place and the biggest planning day and she was back here even with help playing the keyboard and I have to admit that 
a day in the previous week, I was just praying to God in the morning. I woke up with this prayer. Um, she had called it kind of insult to injury. And so I just started praying, God, just let her legs work. Just just make it a little easier for her to walk around. Just let her legs work. That would be great. God, would you just give her that? Just answer that prayer. And it's hard for me to understand. And I, I struggled that morning, actually. I came in the office and admitted that to Josh and said, I'm struggling today because I'm just praying. I'm, I'm wondering, does God a- a- answer prayer? Or I've seen him answer prayer for others. Will he even answer this small little prayer, not to heal cancer, but would he answer the prayer that she could move around? And and then I just, through conversation with Josh and processing, just thought about it as well, that if our family members or loved ones were in great health up until the point when they die and go to heaven, we'd all shake our fist at God and say, God, they were in such perfect health, why would you allow this? In fact, we would blame God and say, God, why did you have this happen? I mean, she was doing so well, and now all of a sudden, they're not here anymore. And so God has a better plan than I do. And part of our body shutting down makes us long for a new world. And I asked her this week, um, how you doing this last Sunday? And uh, she said, well, um, I'd rather have energy and the ability to walk around, or I'd rather just go home. And I think that's probably kind of that spirit of, I need to do something else because if this isn't going to work, and I think it's God's way of kind of preparing us. But friends, I'm just telling you, I'm admitting to you while I can kind of process that in my head, it still doesn't help the heart. And James says in James chapter 5, verse 7, this is how he addresses it. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crops, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you too will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And James is talking to a group of people and writing to a group of people who absolutely understood pain and suffering. This was the Jerusalem church that he led, and he's writing to people who are literally dying for their faith. I mean, imagine if this weekend we look around and we see our friends and family, and next weekend we come back to church and four or five of them aren't with us any longer because they have been killed or martyred for their faith in Jesus. Imagine the pain that these individuals experienced and the questions that they had, and yet the strength that they had from the Lord. And so James writes to them that when they deal with suffering, they should do it as those who have faith in Christ. And in the middle of what James writes, he says, be patient because the Lord is compassionate. And so what I want to do for you all today is kind of help us move from our head to our heart. And while we might have a right view of God, It's not going to help you if I just try to explain the five reasons why God allows pain and suffering in the world. So what I want to try to do is offer you a Bible story that demonstrates the heart of Jesus. It's a Bible story found in uh, the book of John, and it's about Jesus' good friend, Lazarus. And Lazarus has fallen sick, and his sisters, Mary and Martha, are there to, um, as compassionate family members of Lazarus and concerned family members and also those who are questioning 
uh, Jesus in some ways in the story. In verse 5 of John 11, it tells us, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. What I want to do is take this passage of Scripture in John chapter 11, and I want to give you an outline that a friend of mine developed years ago that was for a funeral. And I've used it many times over the years. And so what I'm going to give you today is a message that I've given at many, many funerals. And the first idea is that when we call, God hears. There is a little principle in that verse that I want you to try to understand today. And that is that when Mary and Martha called on Jesus, he heard. And I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. Because Jesus hears when you call to him. And when you cry out to him in seasons of pain or confusion or loneliness, call out to God in your time of need, and God hears our cries. I want to read 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7 together. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. It's a simple verse, but it's a profound verse. Jesus cares for you. Cast all your cares on him. Now, you may have noticed that in this verse that when Mary and Martha called out to God, he heard them, but he didn't come right away. And that led to disappointment and frustration, and they said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And they felt in that moment that maybe that Jesus had forgotten them, or if he hadn't forgotten them, he just kind of ignored them for a little while. Have you guys ever felt like that? You ever felt like God forgot you? Ever felt like maybe God's not responding the way you want him to right away? Friends, rest assured, God has not forgotten you. Jesus had a purpose in waiting, and through resurrecting Lazarus from the dead, he was going to provide a greater purpose. And friends, God has a better understanding of how things work than we do. He is more time conscious than we are. He has the power to give us what we need today. But the awesome thing about God is that he has the wisdom to give us what we need tomorrow. We had a song we used to sing years ago in church that went like this, In his time, in his time, he makes all things beautiful in his time. So when you call on him, he hears. And when we mourn, God hurts. John eleven thirty three says, When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. So Jesus arrives on the scene and he sees people weeping there, his dear friends Mary and Martha and those that were with them. And he goes to the tomb and he knows what's happening in this moment, but he's not crying for Lazarus because he knows he's about to raise Lazarus from the dead. What he's absorbed by is the emotion of those that he cares about. And in verse 35, John eleven thirty-five. if you don't know any memory verses of the Bible, this is a good one. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. And while it may be the shortest verse in the Bible, it is also the most profound verse in the Bible. Because it tells us a lot about the heart of, of God. He cares about them who hurt when we hurt who mourns when we mourn, who weeps when we weep. He does not rejoice in our sorrows, but he suffers in them. He is a God of compassion, a God of grace, a God of mercy, a God of love, and a God who understands human heartache. James 5.11 says the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Friends, the Bible never promises that we will not have trouble. In fact, Jesus said in this world you will have trouble. This is not heaven. And until we get to heaven, there is going to be pain and hardship and difficulty and challenge. But he is with us in those difficult times. And if you're a parent, you understand this principle. 
You ever allowed your child to get on, swing on the monkey bars knowing they might fall? Or get on a bike for the first time knowing that while you push them down the road, they might skin their knee? Or get into a relationship as a teenager when you know they might get their heart broken? If you've ever done that, then you understand something about the heart of God. He allows us to live life, and yet he is there just like a loving parent to pick us up and to reach into our life and to offer compassion and care just where we need it the most. And that is what God did for us through Christ. Jesus gave up heaven to come and dwell among us, to get the full human experience. So he was tempted, he was tried, and not only that, but he dealt with all types of human heartache and challenge and pain. And friends, when we mourn, God doesn't just understand from a distance, he understands close up. He understands what it feels to have loss and loneliness, and he understands what it means to be a God of compassion. And not only that, when we're broken, God heals. Verse 38 says, Jesus once more deeply moved. He came to the tomb and ordered them to remove the stone. And he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And all the hurt and all the anger and confusion and all the suffering for this family that they had endured suddenly turned into celebration. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He healed him. And while he does not raise uh, people today, from the dead, like he did Lazarus, um, at least not that I'm aware of. He does raise us spiritually. He raises us emotionally. He heals us from the inside out. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies on this side of heaven, he dies that first death, he will not die that second death. In other words, he will, God will give him eternity. And he asked Martha, do you believe this? And she said, yes. And friends, when you answer yes to that question, when you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and you confess that belief and in obedience, you follow him, you're baptized into Christ, you say, Christ, I want to repent of my sin, that you are healed from the inside out. That sin problem that we have, God takes care of. And Revelation tells us about the, what we're going to experience when we receive Christ, when we move from this life to the next. Because the good news is that God so loved the world that he sent his only son into the world that whoever would believe in him will not perish, will not die for eternity, but will have everlasting life. Revelation 21 says that in heaven there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. God did more than weep. He raised Lazarus from the dead and he wanted those present to know that he is the author of life. And friends, I'm just telling you today that God loves you so much that when you mourn, he hurts with you. And when you cry out, he hears you. And when you are broken, he heals from the inside out. Which reminds me, what would you do if you go through pain or when someone goes through pain around you, how do you respond? And I think we do the same thing that Jesus did. A lot of people wonder, I don't know what to say when people are in the middle of grief. The first thing you do is just listen. Jesus listened with empathy. He heard their call. And I think we should all be on ready call whenever needed. And if somebody's in pain, we have to move into their life in a way that just says, I'm here for you and I want to listen to you. And you don't have to have any bright things to say because usually, typically, when people are grieving, it's not an issue of the head, it's an issue of the heart. And they just simply need compassion and care in the moments where you can extend that to them. And then love them. 
Jesus not only heard, but he also came and he wept with them. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just weep with people. Just celebrate with them and also just cry with them. I had a moment in first service that I certainly did not plan. And I knew I was in trouble right from the very beginning of that video. Because when I watched the video and I knew I was already emotional, once emotion happens in me, it has a tendency like a faucet to just kind of turn on and stay on. And so that sort of happened throughout the entire moment. And I had kind of a moment of, of real emotion and some people gathered around me just to pray. And um, it was kind of a moment of rawness. But the church in that moment experienced, I, to be honest with you, I felt kind of bad because I don't want it to be about me, and I kind of felt like maybe that was the case. And one guy came up to me afterwards. He said, Stephen, if Jesus wept, so can you. And that was a pretty good point. But I, I really want you to experience that love as well. When you go through hardship, when you go through challenge, when you have moments of, 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 of challenge or emotion where people gather around you and they pray for you and they celebrate with you and they love you, because we can't heal people, Jesus can do that, but we can listen and we can love and we can pray and we can do, we can believe the verse in Jeremiah 31, 13, which says, I will turn their mourning into gladness and I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. Last Sunday, I had a chance with Sherry, everybody was at Julia and Jonathan's house to eat lunch and I'd been there for a few minutes, but that was Sophia's birthday celebration, and so I was going to come spell mom, and mom was going to go to be at Jonathan and Julia's house. And so I had a chance there with Sherry just to be um, there on the bed with her and, and talking, and, and she's mentally great. And I said, uh, I said, are you sad? She said, no. She said, a little frustrated. You could see her saying this, a little frustrated that I can't walk. And I said, I understand that. I can see that. I said, well, what kinds of things do you want to do? And so she said, I've got some things in my mind I want to do. And so I grabbed a sheet of paper and I started writing out a to-do list, a to-do list. And this is not a to-do list like I want to write a book or I want to skydive. It's a to-do list like what you would do if you're going on vacation to Florida Friday, okay? And yet she's taking a vacation to somewhere else. And, and so we started writing it out. And it was all totally ministry-related and... And she said, okay, first of all, we have to give you all of my passwords and things like that because you need access to all of that. And she's very detailed on that. She's giving me all the information. And she said, because we, we have to take care of some things. And then she said, oh, and make sure the music together class, you, let's make the rosters out and let's send that. Let's send the books back because they sent me extra this time. This is all just things you would do before you go on vacation. Make sure in May that we're scheduled for our church because I want to make sure that everybody has the right positions, and, and we have a planning meeting here at the house on Thursday. They're going to come here because I can't come to them, and so she's planning out worship with the worship leaders on Thursday, and, and then she said, now I want you to go to my house and pick up a checkbook, and I said, okay. I brought it back, started filling it out. I said, what, what's it to? She wrote it, Axis Church, $290. As soon as I saw it, I knew what it was for. We ran an advertisement recently with all the businesses here, and she had one tiny little ad in that. She sent it to 7,500 homes. Her part of the ad was $290, and she wrote that check, $290, even though she probably won't benefit from the ad just because that's who she is, lives with integrity, and wrote that check and wanted to pay her bill, her part of that. After that, I, we got done with the to-do list, and, and I said, well, what else do you want to talk about? I said, let's talk about... Uh, you want to talk about the funeral service? She said, yeah. 
let's do that. And she said, I want it to all be about joy. Because she said, I think that's appropriate. And I said, I think that's appropriate. And she gave me a verse from Hebrews that was all about joy. And she said, on my tombstone, I want it to say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so she is going to plan. She gave me songs, people to come to be a part of it and sing. And then we wrote out some of the words of her obituary as well. And in that moment, um, I was sort of reflecting in one quick moment on our life together. And we've had the opportunity to minister together in two different churches for several years. And um, I, I started to get emotional. I smacked myself four times in the face to get it back together. She held my hand, said, I love you. And it was a, a moment together. But one thing I want you to know about all of that is I want to represent her very well because, um, because Sherry has lived a very blessed life. And she'll tell you that, that her experiences in this world have just been so good. And she has so many dear friends and so such a good loving family and so many good experiences in ministry together. That's why she can say, I want the message of the service, whenever that happens, to be a message of joy. The Bible says, I will turn their mourning into gladness and I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. Because when you have an eternal perspective, you begin to see things differently. And we don't know when that moment's going to happen. And um, I, uh, I I asked her the other day, too, I said, uh, I think I may have mentioned this in this service, actually. Uh, I think I did. She said, um, I'd rather be stronger or go home. And I think um, the choice seems pretty clear in some sense. And so I want to pray for you all. Humanly, we can encourage each other today. We can reach out to each other as family and friends. Some of you are going through things today that um, you don't, it's a private pain. Maybe you need somebody to reach out to you or laugh with you or cry with you. And, and maybe you need someone to encourage you today. I would, I would ask you to seek someone out. Offer them what's going on in your life, or maybe you could take a moment to seek someone else out and just offer a hug and encouragement. But I want you to know that only God heals. He heals what's inside. And so if you don't know Christ in a relationship with Him, today would be a good opportunity for you to come to get to know Him. God, thank you so much for your love for us. God, thank you for um, kind of the the ability to come to you and to express to you our heart's desire and our challenges. Thank you, God, that your shoulders are big enough for our head questions and also big enough to offer comfort and a warm embrace and uh, to do what the Bible says, that if we can cast our, our care on you, you, you do it. we do it because you care for us. And so, God, I just thank you for the care that you extend through your word and through your spirit and through other people and the comfort that you offer. And God, I just pray that we would learn from the book of James that you are a God of compassion and mercy who meets us in our greatest need. For all of those today, God, that are struggling or challenged in some way today, God, I just pray that you would hear their cry. That you hurt when they hurt. And that 
ultimately you would heal. Whether on this side of heaven or on the other, that you would heal. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we get into